you so much. I appreciate everything you've done so far in the church to honor the Lord. Jonathan and Elizabeth Groover uh, gave us our hope Advent as we begin our Christmas season. I appreciate that young married couple. I thought about you all the other day, Teresa. I asked you to start in your life together, and that brings much hope in our lives. I think one thing we need as a country and as a society is more Christian marriages. And I tell you what, that's the foundation. It really is of how God has put our lives together. You know, He instituted marriage before the church, even, and what a blessing to know that. Well, I want you to turn with me today to the New Testament book of Romans, and let's look at a couple, just well, this one verse. I may reference some others. I wanted to, to sort of tie in, uh, maybe this would be a bridged message, if you could say that. Uh, I've been trying to deal with powers that be, as you know, uh, I hope you do anyway, over the last few weeks, and uh, I wanted to sort of continue that, but also get us thinking about Christmas as we embrace the, the coming of our Lord and Savior, um, helping uh, our souls through the manifestation of God's Spirit, uh, prepare us, you know, to really know what the meaning of it all is and get the most out of it that God would let us. Uh, so here, I'm going to close out my series, at least on uh, the powers that be, with one I've entitled, The Glow of the Gospel, The Glow of the Gospel. And so, nevertheless, though, it also pertains to Christmas and that that is the gospel, the birth of the Lord Jesus. He is the good news. He is the one that brought the glad tidings of great joy. And so I want to try to say that as well, but we're dealing with the gospel today primarily, and we want to deal with the glow of it. I couldn't put my finger on this story originally, but I can say it, I think, most of it anyway, but I read this a while back, and I just never got over it. Now, every time I think of the gospel, I think of it, and I guess that might be where the, the glow come up, the glow of the gospel. You know, glow is something we need to, uh, to reflect what God has done to us. Um, it shows his grace. That's what Moses saw or felt when he wanted God's, see God's glory. God showed him his goodness and his grace. Uh, also, it helps us something to warm by. We need to warm by the glow. You take a fire, you know, out in the woods or in your uh, fireplace, and it burns down, and it's got some coals in it. You can stir it up. That's what revival is about, and it's, that's the coals of the gospel. And I pray that God will stir us up today. Also, I think the glow is something we need to walk by. You need the light to walk by. This world is a dark place, and we need to walk by the glow of the light of the gospel, the lamp and the light of God's word. Um, but I remember this story, and it went like this. There was a, a couple that lived near the beach or near the ocean, and uh, they were fishermen. Uh, the guy was making a living for his family. This is many, many years ago. And so he left uh, one uh, afternoon, he and his son, to go fishing. And uh, they left the wife there with a little daughter, and so they went out in the ocean. If you can visualize this with me. And um, they got out there and they got lost. And so uh, it got dark and um, they were lost on the sea. You know, they didn't have the, you know, the, the new deals of mechanisms for navigation that the GPS and other boats and devices or vehicles have now. But while they were gone, uh, late that afternoon, the wife was preparing a meal and 
the stove caught on fire and ended up burning the house down. She and the little girl got out, but the house completely burned down. And so finally, uh, later on that night, the husband came up and she was standing on the shore, the story says, just weeping, devastated that they destroyed their home and she just felt like it was all her responsibility and though they were safe, she was just crying and weeping and she was really surprised when the husband found her and got to her and just embraced her and she was telling him what happened. He said, you know, I am so thankful that you're okay. But she said, don't you worry about the house. He said, because the glow of that house burning is where we found our way back home. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel will give you a glow. Sometimes the most tragic things in your life, if you really apply that to God's word in your life and how God uses it, is the very, the very mechanism or means that God uses to bring us back to him. And so may the Lord bless us to see that in our lives. I pray that he will. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now I want to, I want to say this before I read this verse. This verse, I believe, is a pivotal verse. It sets the thesis for all the book of Romans, which is a powerful, powerful book in God's Word. I also, in my study, found out that Romans 1, verse 16 and 17 are the two verses that Martin Luther used and God used rather in Martin Luther's life to, to change theology in that it brought about the Protestant Reformation. These verses, this is powerful word of God. And so I want to share that with you because that is a power that be. I want to say three things from this. I want to see by God's grace from the glow of the gospel, that gospel is the gospel is God's, the gospel is grace, and the gospel is good news. That's the three times I want God to help me say to you and to me today. Here's the verse, verse 16, Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. R.C. Sproul, famous preacher and theologian, said this about this verse. He says he doubted that 5% of all the ordained preachers in the United States of America believed that the power of God was in the gospel. Now, it shocked me a little bit, because I'm supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> and I, I wanted to say I believe this. But, but I frankly wonder, because you know why? Because we don't see repentance much anymore, <laughs> do we? We don't. And, and so he did say also, he said, if 5% did believe it, he believed it would be the greatest revival that this country's ever known. It's going to be hard for America to have revival because it's hard for America 
to repent. Because repentance is a consequence, is a response of the gospel. And I got to tell you this, you know, we're living in a world that everybody has entitlements. We can't repent because we're entitled to something. We don't, we don't have to worry about failure. We're going to have a government that's just going to prop us up. It doesn't matter how much a mess I make out of my business. The, God, the, the government is going to give me money to make it work. And so we're living in a world that is just definitely against the grain of the power of the gospel at work. But I'm going to tell you, friends, we better get out of it. We better get in on our knees. We better ask God to show us the vileness of the sinners that we really are. Because the gospel will offend you. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right out loud. And I'm supposed to be your pastor. But I really can say with all my heart, I don't believe I've ever repented. I don't believe I've ever been broken the way that God has called us to be and from his word. And I doubt very seriously I ever will be this side of heaven. We need to know what God has done for us. We need to know why he had to do it. We need to know that we can do nothing ourselves. And until we get out of the pride and really to understand, that's what Paul is saying. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Are you ashamed of it? Really, you think about it. You know, we're living in a world. We're ashamed of it. We're ashamed what people would think. I don't know who you voted for, but a lot of the people were ashamed to say they were for Trump. They were ashamed of it because that might cause a riot. Somebody might come turn your table over while you eat, you know? I mean, we're just living in a world that we don't want to offend anybody. So let's just go along with it. And where's it gotten us? It's gotten us more turmoil. It's taken us further from God. And right on, right on later in Romans, what happens is these people were given to a reprobate mind. And God just withdrawn. Because when God leaves us, we're going to be like Samson. <laughs> we're not even going to realize it until the enemy comes. And we don't have the power to resist any longer. May God help us. I just want to say the gospel is power. And number one is the gospel is power because the gospel is God's. Look at the, the first verse or two, Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. I want you to see this with me. The gospel is God's. It's not mine. It's not the church's. It's God's gospel. Don't mess with the gospel. When you mess with the gospel, you mess with God. Now here's the deal. We mess with the gospel when we try to filter it or water it down. You cannot 
air-conditioned hell. You can't. You cannot present a gospel. See, the gospel is not pretty. The gospel has blood splattered on the cross. And that blood was necessary, even vital, to heal us and bring us about what the gospel does through the only power there is, God's salvation, deliverance. Uh, I thought about it, these young people that were singing. What a beautiful group they are. And that included Brother Todd and everybody else too. <laughs> but I thought about one day I was out at, uh, out at uh, um, Debbie um, Deals, Sister Debbie and Brother Glenn's house doing a... Um, Easter deal, you know, we do up there every Easter. So I was doing an illustration. And, and I, I remember, some of them might remember, but I had a, 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 bear, a can with sand in it, and I had candles stuck in the sand. And I bought a, 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 a box of worms, red wigglers. And I, I lit those candles. And if you could think about this, all those little kids just around me, you know, just looking. And I put those little worms down there around those candles. I lit those candles. And you can imagine, they were, they were moving pretty good. And I wanted to tell them, by that illustration, what God does for us. Because we're really no different than worms, apart from God. We're not. And so I reached down, those worms got to squirming. See, it was getting hot, and I, I picked one up. And I pulled him out of, those, out of that fire. And I held him up. And I said, that's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That is the gospel. That's what happens. That is the power that sets us on the course of life. You think we need to be bogged down in this COVID? You think we need to worry about who's going to be the president or what kind of situation we're going to have? Not if we look at the gospel. Not if we realize that the God that spoke this universe into existence by his word is the same God. The same God who speaks life into our souls. Who tells us his word. Who gives us his promise. That is the gospel. So first of all, understand with me that the gospel is God's. And we need to remember that. It's God's gospel. Now, I might have to confer with some in the church, and I have, about whether to put a Christmas tree in the sanctuary. But I will never confer to anybody in the church about what to preach about the gospel. Now, you can recognize if I'm not preaching the truth, you need to get you another preacher. You hear me? But as far as the gospel goes, I'm not up here to make somebody feel good. I'm not up here to make people think that they're all right when it's a lie. I'm not up here to tell everybody that God loves you unconditionally, everybody. That is not true. I'm not up here to tell you that you have to do this, that, and the other 
What I'm up here to tell you is what God has done for you. At least that's what I better do. That he has done what I couldn't do, what you couldn't do. And what we need to do is appreciate it and rejoice in it and be thankful for it and quit moping around and complaining and expecting somebody to get us out of something that they can't get us out of. See, don't be ashamed to be weak. Don't be ashamed to be nothing because you got to get there before you're going to find the power that you got to have to come out from under those candles, just like those worms. See, when I think of Christmas, I think of the gospel. See, the Jesus Christ, you know what? Paul is about to open up the word of God, the gospel, in Rome. In Rome. That was the, the place to be. That was the end city, okay? Rome. But it was a place where Christianity was hated. See, Jesus comes up in that time where Christianity is hated. Here it is, the Christmas story. You think about it. Are you ashamed of it? Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus, born in Nazareth. The scriptures wondered, is anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's a little baby born in a stable. Right out in the straw, maybe. In a rock cave, where it was. I mean, it was nothing plush. Nothing to brag about. Here's a boy that grew up as a carpenter. He wasn't a rocket scientist, a chemist, or doctor. He was a carpenter. He grew up, and he taught, and he loved his father, his heavenly father. And he went to the cross, and he died on the cross. And while he was dying, people were laughing at him and cursing him and slapping him. And people were ashamed that they had anything to do with a Christian. I wonder, are we ashamed of the gospel? Paul was not. Paul was not. Now, he had been down some pretty dirty roads, but God changed him. God's gospel changed Paul. See, the power of the gospel is it will change you. It will make you different. It will make you see different, hear different, look different, act different. Why? Because the gospel is God's. I want to emphasize that much as I can. Do not mess with the gospel. Because the gospel comes from God. And he has a, attended. He initiated it. He planned it. He works it out with his mighty power. Okay? He does. And we need to thank him for it. But, you know, I wonder in our lives, just everyday life, all of us sitting here are pretty good folks, we think, don't we? See, it's hard to be humble when you know you're pretty good, pretty perfect. I mean, that's how the world's teaching us. But that's not God's gospel, okay? I mean, I think about it in everyday life. I was watching, a, my wife sometimes watch Hallmark movies, Christmas movies, every night. I'll come in here and see these movies. I know, again, it's going to snow right at the end. Everything's going to be fine. But I was watching watch it the other night, and, and this part of it said, this, I forget what happened to this lady. She said, oh, my God. 
And you know, most of us, I didn't really think much wrong with it. But when I start looking at God's word, do you know how God is offended with that? I mean, you know, she didn't attend it, but God, holy God, is offended in our everyday conversation. I'll tell you what it does to me. This is why the God's so powerful. I've been out on my little farm the other day, and, and that's happened two or three times the last couple of weeks. And I'll try to, I'll try to fix something and don't go the way I want to go. I mean, you know, you try to move something, it pinches your finger or something. I said some things. I want not to say. And the first time I did, I said, well, you know, I don't know this. I almost implied that, God, you just understand. I just had to do it. But when I think of the gospel of God and what God thinks about that, you know, for some reason, I think it's almost like we think it's all right to sin. We've been desynthesized because of the world we're living in. And we're going to have to come out of that. It's going to take the power of God to come out of it because we know what we ought to do. But here's the deal. We don't have the power to do it. God can do it because he is the gospel. It's his gospel. And we cannot water it down. We cannot make an excuse for it. We can't say circumstances did it or that's just the way I was born. We have to go to God. And we find that glow and that power not by somewhere we go to a place, but we go to a person. We go to Jesus. And we go to him like that woman that had an issue with blood. And she said, I've got to have him. And she said, just touches him of his garment and I'll be whole. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel is God's. Are you ashamed of it? I'm not talking about a philosophy. You know, people like philosophy. The world will listen to a philosophy. But the gospel is not a philosophy. The gospel is a fact, okay? And that's where we're going to have to be. We're going to have to take it as the way God gives it to us because it's His and it's powerful. And it offends us. But you know what? An inoffensive gospel is an ineffective gospel. It really is. So when God starts dealing with your heart by the word of his power, the spirit of his grace, you let him go, okay? Because what's happened, you're, gonna fix, you're getting ready to glow. See, you can't get around God's gospel and just come out the same old deal. You might fool people, but you're not going to fool God. And you're not going to fool people long because it's going to come out. I mean, even Peter tried to deny. He was ashamed of Jesus. But it came out. And it will for you and me too. Jeremiah 23, listen to this verse. You think the God's gospel is important, powerful? Jeremiah 23. I think it's in verse 29. 
says this. He's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about the Gospel. He says, Is not my word like as a fire? That's why you glow. Saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. See, that's what the God, God's gospel does. It breaks our hard heart into little pieces. <laughs> and you know what? You'll never, ever wear out a hammer. You might wear out the handle, but you won't wear out the hammer. And the gospel is valid and has always been the same gospel. It's not going to be kind of metered toward our days. No, we need the same gospel because the gospel is God's. So that's the first thing I wanted to say to you, that the gospel is God's. Because Paul said that's what separated him from the world and put him in a purpose. You have a purpose. God has separated you from sin and evil and darkness. And God has done that by the gospel. God has done that for the purpose. And Paul says he's a servant. And then he says in our text verse, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It's God's gospel. Secondly, the gospel is grace. The gospel is grace. We know that grace is unmerited favor. But we got to know the gospel is grace because grace is power, okay? But here's, here's what's so sort of a mystery about it. See, the gospel makes us know that we're nothing. We cannot offer anything to God. We have no ability, have no righteousness on our own. In fact, the Word says our righteousness is like filthy rags. We can do nothing. Now, now let that sink in a minute. Because that's hard for us to deal with. Because we think we can do something. But when it comes to God, we can't. And yet you have a lot of philosophers that will say things like, well, just pray the sinner's prayer, okay? Or come to Jesus and you'll have peace. That's philosophy, okay? What the gospel does is the power of God, every Prayer we praise a sinner's prayer. What the gospel does, when it breaks our heart, we'll see we'll be broken and we'll cry out to God for mercy. See what the gospel does and why grace is so important, we realize, hey, I can't do anything good. I don't have enough. I'm so lost. Are you ashamed to say that? I'm so lost. I'm such a sinner. It's going to take Jesus to help me. It's going to take Jesus to save me. I can't get my life on order, God. I can't do anything. I just come to you, and that is grace. Because no sinner is so vile 
that grace can't heal you. It doesn't matter what you've done. In fact, the gospel is so powerful. You can have been brought up in a godly Christian home. I hope you were. But even in spite of that, God will save you by his grace, just like he does the most vilest murderer on death row. That's the power of the gospel. One voice from heaven, one spoken word from Jesus. The gospel is grace. What it does, it tells us what we are. But it also tells us what we're going to be in Christ. That's what the gospel does. What we are to become. It's nothing we do. It's nothing. It makes us know we can't do. There's another verse in Jeremiah makes me think right quick. In the 13th chapter, that emphasizes our need of grace. And while Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, because when you understand that it took God to save you, I mean, really, really, really save you, then you're not going to be ashamed of it. You're going to be ashamed of you. Um, Jeremiah 13 and verse 23 says this, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? Can they? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. <laughs> I mean, you know, can a leopard change his spots? Can somebody change the color of their skin? No. So, so I, can't, I can't do, unless God changes my heart by the power of the gospel and he writes his commands on my heart, I can do nothing. See, that's the power of the gospel. The gospel is God's. The, the gospel is not about a preacher. See, the gospel understands that central to the word of God and to worship is preaching. Because I don't understand it. Because I'm supposed to be one. But I don't really like them. And I want to tell you this. I don't understand why God calls men to preach. Especially this one. I know a lot of men a lot better than this guy that God has not called to preach. But I'm going to say this since he has. I'm going to try to do it. Because it's the power of the gospel. It's not me. you got to hear that. It's not. It's Jesus. And so what he does with you, it is he uses you. And he gives you the power through his word that he blesses you. And that he causes you to understand what he's done for you and how he's going to do it. And that's the gospel. Man, it's amazing. I think about the Statesboro Pretty Baptist Church. See how it's designed? I guess hopefully most Protestant churches got a pulpit up here, right in the center. I'm so thankful. Why? Not for me, because that means that the centrality of the church and worship is God's gospel. Because that's what I'm supposed to be doing, or any preacher, okay? See, it's not supposed to be a stage up here where some man can get up here and show off his tight jeans and tattoos. It is rather somebody that God will use and preach God's word. And it may offend you. It will offend you. But that's what God does because he's bringing you to Jesus just like that house was burning. That's where you go. That's the glow. 
because that's the only way you're going to find Jesus. Even the people in Emmaus, those two guys that didn't know what was going on when Jesus was crucified, when he left them, he said, did not, they said, did not, our hearts burn. That's what the gospel will do. It'll make your hearts burn. It'll set you on fire. You know what? That's the greatest witness we can have. Thank God for the blessings. The gospel is grace. And then thirdly, the gospel is good news. It's good news. That's what it means. Why is it good news? Because it's salvation. It's sa we're saved by the gospel. The, not the preaching now, the gospel. That's the power of God. That's what it does. I don't understand how God uses it, but he does. He will put you where the gospel, and the gospel will come to you, and we need to be preaching the gospel. I think we've missed that some. I think we're so afraid that some non-elect person is going to sneak into heaven that we don't really preach the gospel everywhere to everybody. But it's the power of God, and it will be the pivotal point in your life. Hey, I remember mine. I was a teenager. I remember, I still remember Brother Mullis preaching down at Upper Black Creek, Christ is all. <laughs> you think some little boy, I, I was just, what does that do? I tell you what, it brought me to the front of the church. Because I was been ashamed at saying my Christ was all. The gospel is good news because it's salvation. See, the only way you can understand the goodness of salvation is understanding total depravity. What that means is you and I can't do anything of our own. See, that's what makes salvation so great. That's why we're not ashamed of it. That's why Paul wasn't ashamed of it. He said, man, this stuff is great. This is what changed my life. And this is what I want. It's kind of like a, a prescription, okay? See, it's, it's, a, it's a medicine that has power in it because when I see what God has done for this poor sinner, I want to tell others about it. Though it's not about, evangelism is not witness. Evangelism is the gospel, okay? See, I want to tell you what God can do for you, what he has done for you. See, the gospel is not about telling us what we must do. If I, I, maybe I said that. That's all right. I want to say it again. The gospel is telling us what God has done for us. That's what it is. See, that is hope. That is what Jesus is about. Jesus is about a Savior that died for the sins of his people. And we don't need to be ashamed of it anymore. You know, when you think about salvation... You know, you think about it. People say, are you saved? Or, let, me, let me say it like this. Don't ever say I'm saved unless you understand what you're saying. Because when you think of salvation, this is the power of the gospel. There, there's a time to it, sequence. See, there's a sense that we were saved before the foundation of the world. That's what the Bible says. Romans 5.1 says there is now no condemnation in them that believe and walk in the Spirit. 
Right now, you believing that, believing in the Lord, there's no condemnation. That's complete salvation. But there's also an ongoing salvation. So, in a sense, we've been saved past tense, but we still need saving. Romans 7 is a good one to find that. Why? Because I still sin. Do you? <laughs> See, when I mashed my finger the other day and used the Lord's name in vain, that is a sin. Does that mean I'm not saved eternally? No. Because what happens, God's spirit in you, the power of it, will convict you. You happy in your sins and content with them? <laughs> You're not, are you? You're miserable. Why? Because that's the power of the gospel. And it's going to glow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to deal with you. And that hammer will break your heart. But when it's all over, you'll be glad when you find that forgiveness. And not only that, there's a sense we haven't been saved fully yet. There still remaineth see a salvation because we're going to be perfect one day without spot and without wrinkle God's going to do that for us he's guaranteed it see what man cannot do God has done so he says Paul in the midst of an adverse environment I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ why? Because it's God's gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't want you to be. Why? Because it's salvation. Salvation is the greatest gift that we could ever have from God. But it's the greatest virtue that we're desperately in need of. And God's the only one that can do it. Now you can look at all the academics and higher learning. I suppose our world today is probably more scholarly adept than it's ever been or any society's ever been. Where's it gotten us? Did you notice what was on the streets this past few months? It doesn't look like it's gotten us too much, does it? No. Education won't get you salvation. It doesn't mean that you can't be educated and have it, but it just means that if you are, you didn't get it from being educated. You got it from God's gospel that he spoke in your heart. That's all I want to tell you. We need to appreciate God more than we do. We also need to more sen be sensitive of our everyday lives. And if God so would visit us and bring us down and understand that we don't need to have any pride, we don't have any to have, when God blesses us and gives us what he's given us, then it doesn't matter. We can suffer, we can have good times or bad times, but the gospel, it needs to be preached more desperately now than ever before. And it needs to be preached according to God in every season. What Paul told Timothy, in season, out of season. The gospel. That's our power. And if you get away from the gospel, even in your daily reading, you get away from the gospel, it's going to weaken you. You're not going to be so concerned about little things that's wrong. But the closer you are to the gospel, it's a power. 
of God unto salvation. May we bless him and thank him for it. I wish I had about 30 more minutes, but I don't. But that's okay. Always remember, though, the gospel is God's. The gospel is grace. And the gospel is good news. And it's all because of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate his birth in a few weeks. May the Lord bless you.